Welcome to School Choice Report, where we explore everything about one of the most important education topics. I'm your host, David Hardy. In this podcast, we'll be talking to experts, educators, and parents to get a deep dive into the world of school choice. Whether you're an advocate, skeptic, or just curious, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and let's get started with the conversation. Hello, and welcome to another School Choice Report podcast. I'm today's guest host, Guy Shiraki. I'm a fellow with the Commonwealth Foundation. We are honored today to have as our special guest for our podcast, former United States Senator from Connecticut and former Democratic Party nominee for Vice President of the United States and a passionate school choice supporter, the Honorable Joe Lieberman. Hello and welcome, Senator. Thank you for being with us on our podcast. Well, thanks, Guy. I'm, I'm glad to be with you. And thanks uh, for all the good work that you and the folks at Commonwealth do uh, in uh, advocating for school choice. I appreciate that. So, Senator, if we can, let's, if you will, start at the beginning. What has made you a supporter of school choice and what, more importantly, caused you to decide to speak out as a supporter for school choice? Well, that's a great uh, place to begin. And it's something of a story because I didn't start as an advocate for school choice. Uh, I myself went to the public schools in Stamford, Connecticut. They gave me a great education, which enabled me to be the first in my family uh, to go to college. And it was uh, transformational. So when I got into public service um, at a surprisingly young age uh, as a state senator, uh, my natural instinct from New Haven uh, to uh, the state legislature in Hartford, my natural instinct was to try to help the public schools in New Haven and then West Haven, also my district. And I, I fought hard and usually successfully to get more money for them. But I noticed over time that uh, just by uh, objective uh, uh, evidence, uh, test scores, that a lot of the kids, particularly lower income kids in the, in the cities, were not getting the education that America not only promised them by our founding values, but needed them to have. And, and therefore, their lives were greatly uh, limited, uh, often dysfunctional. And um, so I, I began to think about alternatives. Um, I just flash forward quickly, when I was elected to the US Senate in uh, 1989, and I continue to be concerned about this problem. Uh, one of my colleagues, a Republican senator from Minnesota, Dave Durenberger, approached me and he said that there had been an experiment tried in uh, Minnesota called charter schools. And uh, he wanted to introduce bipartisan legislation to support charter schools, which are a form of school choice, of course. And uh, I was very excited to join Dave when we, we passed that bill, and it was the first federal support for charter schools. Meantime, I continue to uh, worry about the quality of education that a lot of low-income uh, minority children are getting in Connecticut. One, one day, I went to, you know, I'm, I'm uh, Jewish and I'm religiously Jewish, so a lot of people think that that's how I got to be a, such a supporter of school choice because of a desire to uh, uh, get money to go to the Jewish uh, uh, religious schools. 
The truth is, there was a Roman Catholic bishop who got me into this, uh, truly ecumenical. So uh, we had a new uh, Catholic bishop come to Bridgeport, Edward Egan. And uh, if that's a familiar name, because he went from Bridgeport to New York and became Cardinal Egan, now uh, uh, passed away. But I, I, I had a wonderful relationship I developed with Bishop Egan, and he was particularly interested in the uh, uh, parochial schools in Bridgeport. He had come from New York, where he had been essentially the head of the New York City uh, Roman Catholic parochial school system. So um, I, we, I visited the schools in Bridgeport, and I was really quite taken with what I saw, um, which is that most of the kids there um, uh, were uh, African-American and Hispanic-American. Uh, when I asked, I learned that most of them were not Catholic. Uh, but this was a mission that the church had. And uh, the, the children, by all uh, evidence I could gather, were doing much better than their peers in public schools. A lot of it had to do with the um, uh, passionate devotion of the teachers and the quality of the teachers. Um, and and uh, the other reality was that the schools were facing real economic pressure. So uh, I went back to Washington, and there began to be in the mid-'90s the first efforts at some sort of school choice federal support legislation, um, which I joined uh, first, uh, I think first with Dan Coates, might have been Rick Santorum, on some federal programs. Uh, frankly, never went very far because though there was a, a fair amount of Republican support, there was hardly any Democratic support, which I didn't get because I always thought of the Democratic Party, which I was, was an AMO member of, was devoted to... Um, uh, open, uplifting uh, people in our society, and uh, particularly uh, poor and minority children. But but the most of the Democrats were tied to the status quo in public schools, and frankly, to the uh, to the public school teachers unions. Um, but then I joined with John Boehner, the, for, the, the then in the House former Speaker. And uh, we worked on a, a bill to uh, provide what, what we called um, uh, opportunity scholarships to children in the Washington, D.C. school system. It was a school choice program, and it took a lot of effort. We had to uh, give an equal amount of additional money to the public schools, an equal amount to the charter schools as we were giving for school choice. But we got it started, and uh, I, I think it's been a great success uh, that's my personal story. The other thing that's happened is really very encouraging, and I'll talk about this real briefly, which is that in state after state across our country, and increasingly with the support of Democrats, not just Republicans, uh, the states have adopted uh, school choice programs of one kind or another because they see that that's what the parents want, that's what the children need, and that's what's good for our Society. It takes a little guts because usually the public school lobby, um, uh, the teachers unions particularly lobby against it. But I think it's real progress. And uh, I think a lot of kids in America are going to have a better future as a result of the success of those school choice programs at the state level. And hopefully that soon will include the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania.
Thank you, Senator. Thanks for sharing your personal journey, which is not uncommon. And your story is representative of what it will take to get meaningful legislation here in Pennsylvania, and that is uh, growing among the current supporters to get new supporters. Just to share a bit is, you know, I first became aware of the idea in reading stories about State Senator Polly Williams from Wisconsin and what she had done. As I mentioned that, you know, Senator Williams, State Senator Williams was a Democrat. In the beginning, as this began to be tried in states like Wisconsin and Minnesota, it was bipartisan. Somewhere along the line, it became partisan. How do we get it away from that? How do we get it back to being child focused and get it away from being a Republican win or a Democrat defeat? We need this to be bipartisan and lasting. What would be your advice on how we get where it needs to be? A very important question, really critical to the future, not just of the school choice movement, but for what the movement's about, which is better education for more of America's children. So, I mean, let's let's uh, applaud the state senator, Polly Williams, because she was a, a pioneer and a hero. It took a lot of guts. And you're right. In the early days, it was bipartisan. Uh, then I think the teachers unions particularly felt that something threatening to them was happening uh, and they began to oppose it. And they're quite powerful the teachers unions, uh, both nationally and in a lot of states within the Democratic Party. Um, But I think what's happened now is that, and and why I mentioned briefly that uh, so much um, achievement towards school choice is happening at the state level uh, is because it has become more bipartisan. And I think Democrats are uh, looking uh, not at, at this as a question of, oh, do I satisfy another interest group, in this case, the teachers unions, or do I do something that really is important for the kids in my state or district, and that is to give them and their parents a a choice, a way to get out of a failing school and improve their own uh, life's potential and future. And uh, I think it's just, we got to take it out of politics and focus it back on the kids uh, and in our country. Uh, the the uh, the reality is that the purpose of America's public schools, which I'm myself deeply grateful to, and and still very supportive of, but the purpose of the American uh, public school system is not to preserve the status quo in public schools. It's to educate America's children, all of them, not just. Um, the, the wealthy ones or the ones who are lucky enough to be, uh, as we say, in a zip code or school district where they've got really uh, good public schools. And um, uh, I know we, there are other things we can do to help the public schools improve. Way back in the early uh, 2000s, uh, we adopted the No Child Left Behind law, which I think did a lot of good work to encourage the public schools. But here, here's the basic point also, apart from the focus on the children. Um, we, we, I found my story, Guy, which I told you, I was measuring what I was doing for the education of children in my uh, state Senate district in New Haven and West Haven by how much money I was able to get from the state government for the public schools in both of those cities. But really, what I should have been asking is, what, what's, what's the result of uh, the investment of that money? In other words, 
how are the kids doing? Are they being educated? And unfortunately, on objective testing, more and more I found that they were not getting a good education and falling behind their peers. And of course, it's a classic story, certainly in most urban school systems, that uh, the families that can afford it take their kids out of failing public schools and, and pay for them to go to private or faith-based schools. But whereas the, the lower-income people can't afford to do that. And really, in a, in, in a brief sentence or two, that's what school choice is aimed at doing. So I think we've got to focus on the kids and focus on the return for uh, the enormous investment we make in public education, which for a long time has not been producing what it should have been producing. And I think school choice will help us do that. Look, we all hope and pray for a day when the public schools are so good that we don't have to have a school choice program, but we're, we're not there yet, that's for sure. Thank you. And again, uh, your, your focus on children and outcomes, I mean, it is admirable to hear you talk about a focus on results and outcomes as opposed to measuring success by dollars, because that's a trap that we, we all fall into when we measure, is that idea that it's about money rather than outcomes. If I could just drill down a little bit, as you may know, here in Pennsylvania, we have a brand new governor, Josh Shapiro, that was just elected. And he talked about during the campaign, what has now become lifeline scholarships, the ability to have aid and scholarship money, state dollars to help the children trapped in the school districts that continue to historically perform at the bottom. He faces a divided legislature. He's a brand new governor. Uh, if you would, as someone who's been through many budget battles, we're in the middle of one here. What would be your counsel to the governor on how we break this logjam and help those children who have been trapped in these districts that perennially perform at the bottom? And as you said, they're often the poorest of the poor Pennsylvanians in schools that aren't working. What would be your counsel for how we get this over the finish line in a bipartisan way? Right. So uh, first, let me say I'm really uh, proud of Josh Shapiro. By a strange coincidence, uh, years and years ago, I was at some political function in Pennsylvania, and Josh was there. And if I'm not mistaken, it was either the first or second time he was running for state representative. And we talked, we, we kind of hit it off, and we stayed in touch, and I watched him go from that, I believe, to state senator, then attorney general, and now governor. So I, I, I'm, I'm proud of him, but really I'm proud and grateful that he took this um, gutsy stand on school choice during the campaign. And the great news is, obviously, it didn't hurt him in the campaign. He won a great uh, and, and large victory. And incidentally, uh, though the interest groups like the teachers unions are against school choice, I think more and more uh, people in elective office are seeing that the public wants it. And I, I just want to add a word to what I said about the, uh, for me, thrilling increase of support at the state level around the country from Democrats, including um, African-American, Hispanic-American state legislators. And you know, I've talked to them and what are they telling me? This is what their constituents have asked them to do because their constituents who aren't wealthy feel like their kids are stuck, almost like hostages in schools that are, are not educating them and the parents don't have the money to get them out and therefore school choice is just as the word you've used, a lifeline. So I'd say to uh, Governor Shapiro that he, he's, he, he's doing something absolutely right, consistent with uh, the traditional democratic 
capital D in this case, values and small d, uh, of course. And he should um, stay the course because I, I think it's what, what the public wants. Also, frankly, uh, he is one of a few Democratic governors. It's a pretty small number. Maybe it's a couple, not a few. Uh, who have uh, uh, stepped out and said they're, they're supportive of some kind of school choice. And I think if we can pass this, it will have reverberations positively all around the country. Look, he's going, I mean, I, I, I don't know all the details in Pennsylvania, but he'll face a lot of opposition tactics. Uh, he may have to bargain some. Uh, I, I, I love to tell the story once I worked with John uh, Speaker Boehner, uh, and I think it was 2012, and um, there was a, a heck of a, of, a, of a fight gridlock over the budget uh, with the Obama administration, separately from school choice. And uh, the Obama administration had tried to kill the D.C. Opportunity Scholarship Program. And um, at the very end of the negotiations on the budget gridlock, where the, uh, the White House felt it had a, an agreement with Speaker Boehner, he said, I don't believe you put that 60 million out of, you know, I don't know how many trillion, two trillion at that point, the federal budget back into the DC Opportunity Scholarship. And White House said, no, we haven't. We said, I'm, I'm not gonna support the uh, budget agreement if you uh, don't put it back in. And they, they were shocked. It may have been opposed, but they said you will you will block the budget and run the risk of the government shutting down for sixty million dollars. Yes, because I believe in this, and and there's no reason uh, why you should be take no good reason why you should be taking it out. And you know they steamed, they argued, they went back to the White House, and a short while later, a call came from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the 60 million is back in the uh, budget for the DC School Choice Program. So why do I tell that story? Because I think it's a great story about John Boehner and, and his principle and passion for school choice. But uh, Josh Shapiro may face a similar moment in, uh, in the deliberations over the budget and school choice in Pennsylvania this year, and I hope and believe that he will uh, be as strong and uh, stubborn <laughs> as uh, as uh, Speaker John Boehner was. Again, your experience of having seen all of this firsthand and watch, you know, as we sometimes tease in politics, it's, it's like watching sausage being made, and you've watched a lot of sausage being made. Yeah. But I would add, I can tell I can hear in your voice the excitement when you work for something that's especially impactful and meaningful. And as we close, I would just ask you to speak about that again. Let's fast forward. And as you have seen in D.C. and some other states, talk about what happens when school choice takes place, uh, the good that happens when children get to go to a school and the positive and why it, you so passionately believe this because you've seen results. If you can, let's end on a high note and talk about the good that yeah. happens with these children. Yeah, so no, I think, Sky, L let me say first as a word, and I don't mean this with any self-righteousness, but, um, you know, at, at various points in, in an elected official's career, including obviously legislators, governors, presidents, 
uh, you got to decide, am I in this uh, just to pacify the interest groups so I can get reelected? Or am I in this to get something done for the people in my district, for the country, et cetera? And this is one of those cases, because I've got to tell you, um, in, in D.C., in Connecticut, uh, in the country now, in all these states that are adopting school choice, the results, the differential results of the education of children that come out of schools that they and their parents choose to send them to is so different. Uh, the D.C. Uh, scholarship program is one of the oldest now and really the most graphic. I mean, uh, the uh, I, I'm not going to remember the stats exactly, but more than 90 percent of the uh, school children in D.C. who are part of the school choice program not only finish high school, but go to college. And the number for the overall population of the D.C. school system is right around 50 percent. Um, uh, graduating and going to college, which is um, uh, maybe I'm a little off, could even be lower. So you're gonna you're affecting people's lives. Uh, there's a, uh, um, a saying in the Talmud, which is a compilation of Jewish laws and values, where one of the rabbis said, "If you save one life, it's as if you save the world," and that's because of all the potential going back to God's creation of Adam uh, in, in one person to realize the potential of the human race, make a difference. So, you know, a bad education is not the same as life and death, but honestly, it comes close. It certainly, uh, if you get a good education, uh, it, it, it matters to the quality of life of people. And maybe in some cases, because kids who are not well-educated fall into dysfunctional life patterns, often ending in jail or even in death. So um, I, I think this is a real opportunity for people in um, Pennsylvania, Governor Shapiro and legislators of both parties to get together and, and do something good for the, for the poorest kids in uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, remember that uh, I don't know how many Kids' lives are going to change, but I, I, I say with an absolute confidence that it's going to be a significant number of children who are poor uh, in Pennsylvania who will live lives that are so much better and fulfilling uh, than they otherwise would because their parents and they had the opportunity to get a, a, a lifeline scholarship and, and take them out of a, a school that was failing to educate them and, and put them into another one that they chose because they knew it would do a better job. And well, that's, that's a, you know, for a legislator or a governor, to me, that's a, a, a career accomplishment. So uh, uh, go for it, please. Senator, thank you. Uh, your words are inspiring and impactful. And it is so wonderful that when we can have a discussion about issues, but really focus on people and results. And, and as I said, I, it is easy for the listeners to hear in your voice, your genuine commitment to this. And uh, I applaud you for your leadership to help us here in Pennsylvania and to speak out for children. Thank you so very much for being with us. Thank you for your leadership. And we hope to be able to report back to you with some great news. Thanks, Guy. Great to be with you. I look forward to that positive report. That's it for today's episode of School Choice Report. I hope you found the conversation enlightening and informative. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggestions for future episodes, please reach out to us 
at schoolchoicereport.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. Until next time, this is David Hardy signing off. Thanks for tuning in.